Now, I want you to remain standing, and if you have a Bible, and if you don't have a Bible, in the pew in front of you, you'll find a pew Bible. I want you to turn to the first book in the Bible. That should be easy to find. And I'm going to say this to all of you who are visiting with us. I'm teaching a series of studies on Joseph, the story of Joseph. And we've had 74 studies on Joseph. But when we have our first Sunday of the month, I usually interrupt it and bring a topical study. And today I'm going to do that from Genesis chapter, did I say chapter 6? Chapter 7. Genesis chapter 7. And it will be a verse that has a 6 in it. Genesis chapter 7. Let's begin reading in verse 13. Genesis chapter 7 and in verse 13. In the selfsame day, there entered into the ark Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. Now, how many people is that? That's eight people. Noah and his wife. He has three sons, and each of them have a wife. Verse 14. They and every beast after his kind, and all the cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth after his kind, and every fowl after his kind, and every bird of every sort. And they went in unto the ark two by two, of all flesh wherein is the breath of life. That is the old English way of saying everything that was breathing. They went in, he saved so many of the clean animals and so many of the unclean animals. Verse 16, And they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lifted up above the earth. And the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went upon the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward, and the waters did prevail, and the mountains were covered, and all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beast and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth in every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life of all that was in the dry land died. May the Lord add his blessings upon the reading of his word and let God's people say praise the Lord and you may be seated. What, what a story. 
Some of you may have been up to Ohio, I think it is, to see the ark that they built up there. What a scene here. What a story. Now, I have a question for you. See how carefully you read with me. What stood between the eight in the ark and the millions outside the ark? What kept Noah and his family safe and at the same time damned all the others? What was the difference between life and death? between safety and destruction, between blessing and curse, between security and hopelessness, between righteousness and righteous indignation. What was the difference? Well, it's found in verse 16. Verse 16. It says, And the Lord... Shut him in. <laughs> there was a door that was between those in the ark and those out of the ark. That's all. The ark, by the way, had one door. And that only had one window. The window was up high. The difference between life and death, the difference between safety and destruction, the difference between the blessing and the curse, the difference between being drowned. And, you know, we've had several places here in the United States in the last few weeks that have had horrible floods and people have absolutely panicked and just gone berserk over it because there's nothing that you can do. And uh, when a flood comes, if it comes in your neighborhood, you can put all the sandbags and put all the nails in the windows and the doors you want to. The water's coming in. You can't keep it out. Now think of it. Now listen to me now. Listen carefully. Do you know how long Noah had been building the ark? A 120 years. For 120 years, that door had been open. And an open door is an invitation for somebody to enter the ark. I mean, I bet most of you don't leave your front door open. <laughs> you don't want everybody and anybody coming in. You want to lock it, and then you can invite them in if you want to. But this door was open. It was open for 120 years. Now it's shut. Now it's shut, and I'm going to say this a number of times, for almost 2,000 years, the door to heaven has been open. You can read about it in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And he shall go in and out and find pastor. He not only be saved, but he's going to go in and out to be find pastor, to be nourished, to be strengthened. We don't just come to Jesus to be saved. You have to feed on him every day. And to feed on him, you've got to get in the Word of God, and you need to be in a place that teaches the Word of God. Not just creating an atmosphere, but teaches you the Scriptures, the Word of God. 
men and women who have lived before this generation, with all their might, many of them have persuaded and constrained and compelled people to enter the door. Multitudes have entered the ark. You know, the ark is a picture of Christ. He is the ark that saves us from the judgment upon this world and the judgment that is coming. My dear friends, I want you to know that the difference between life and death for Noah's generation was a door. (laughs) In verse 16, it was a door. Listen now, it says that the Lord shut. He didn't have any pulleys on it where he pulled it in and closed it inside. It was God who shut it. My friends, when God shuts the door, it's shut for good. And you can, do, you can do all you want. You can pray all you want. You can make, uh, agree to all the propositions you want. You can do whatever you want and go to church 50 times a week. If the door is shut, it's shut. If God shuts it. On the other hand, when he opens the door, no man can shut it. When he opens it, no man can shut it. While this door and this ark was open, mercy was for the having. But when it was shut, judgment was certain. Now, have you ever gone to a bank or to a place of business? Say the cleaners or go to pick up some paint, go to pick up some lumber, go to pick up something else, and you're a minute or so late. I went to the dry cleaners a couple of weeks ago, running up there and pulled the door, locked. <laughs> I got there too late. And it irritated the fire out of me. Did it irritate you? But it was my fault. It had been open. Been open, been open since Monday, <laughs> about six or seven or eight hours a day. And I came running up there on Saturday, and it was locked. You know, you have to go back later. I knew it for days, but I procrastinated. Then the door was shut. I couldn't get my clothes. The difference between getting what you wanted and needing was a shut door. And this door represents time which has run out. This door represents separation. I remember, I'm old enough to remember, that when the United States began pulling out of Vietnam, I remember those poor people over there on the last day when helicopters were coming in and planes were coming in and they were fighting and they were screaming and they were scrambling to get on one of those planes. And I remember seeing some of them being pushed out in the plane taking off. And with that plane leaving, there went their freedom. All who didn't make it were shut out of freedom and liberty and the pursuit of happiness in the United States or some other nation. Now, two things I want to say about this door this morning. Number one, some were shut in and multitudes were shut out. Noah and his family were shut in the ark. 
When God shut that door, there was a permanent separation from an evil, wicked world. Now Noah, with that door shut, when God shut it, Noah couldn't go back, even if he wanted to. He's now dead to the world and the world to him. There will come a time, we don't believe it, the world doesn't believe it, there will come a time when God will shut us in. And I believe that time is pictured here. When that door was shut, the city of destruction was left behind. The enemies of Noah were cut off. When you're cut off from the world, it's for your blessing. Let the world party. You're shut in. Let them call out to you. You're shut in. You know, Adam was in paradise, but he was never shut in. Somebody got to him. Blessed is the man, blessed is the woman whose bridges are burned. You not only burn the bridges, keep from enemy to get to you, you burn the bridges, keep you from going back. And the Lord has to do a bridge burning act for most of us. Even the hymn writer sang, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Then he said, here's my heart, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. God not only has to save us, he has to keep us. <laughs> you know what I have people say to me all the time, take care of yourself. I started saying, I can't do that. I tried it. <laughs> I can't take care of myself, but the Lord can take care of me. I'll commit myself to him. Blessed is the man, blessed is the woman whose bridges are burned. When one is saved, one enters the door. And then when you enter the door, which is Christ, you come to him through faith, the Holy Spirit shuts the door and seals it with the blood of Christ. This verse says it was the Lord who shut the door. Are you listening? A man is not shut in when the church shuts him in. He's not shut in when the Pope shuts him in. He's not shut in by ritual and by ceremony. He's not, uh, he's not shut in by baptism even. Noah didn't, didn't shut himself in. The Lord shut him in. Oh, to be shut in by the Lord. He's the only one that can shut us in. I've tried to shut men up many times, and you know what happens? They end up kicking the door down <laughs> to get back out. Only the Lord can shut us tight enough to keep the flood out. Forty days of floods, and it didn't just rain, folks. The ground broke up. Underground streams. You know, water equals judgment. And Christ equals the door, and he kept the judgment out. Only the Lord could shut it tight enough to keep the judgment out and keep the enemies out. And I guarantee you, I've seen this on television. When men panic, when you have a flood or a fire, it's every man for himself. They'll run over you, 
to save themselves. Am I telling the truth? That's just human nature. And I guarantee you when the door was shut that man ran up to the ark. And I guarantee you, Noah, Noah, open the door, Noah. For God's sake, Noah, open the door. Noah can't open the door. God shut it. God shut it. And when God shuts it, brother, it's shut. It's shut. Even, I'm thankful to tell you this, if I'm shut in, even my sins can't open it. Praise the Lord. <laughs> it's too large and too heavy and too much for old Noah to shut. The point is our, our salvation must be of the Lord. You can't be saved by the preacher. If I can talk you into something, somebody else can talk you out of it. I can get you to agree to a certain set of propositions. You believe in Jesus? Yeah. You're going to trust him? Yeah. You're going to be baptized? Yeah. That doesn't do a thing for you. The Lord has to do something. The Lord is the only one that can make us new creatures. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passing away. All things have become new. Our salvation must be of the Lord. It is too much for us to handle. We can't open that door and we can't shut that door. And there are a lot of people, they're not saved because they keep trying to open the door and shut the door themselves. Noah would never have been safe if he'd been able to open that door or shut it. Only the Lord could graciously shut it. You know, if you look at the language there in verse 16, it says they went in, male and female, as God. That's the, the word Elohim. It means the Lord God Almighty, the creator, the preserver of living things. And it says, and as God and the Lord, that word there is Yahweh, or some still pronounce it Jehovah. We don't know what the name of God was because they don't know what the vowels were. You know, you can't say a word without vowels. You know that? My name, Bill. I is the only vowel in Bill. Take it out. What do you got? B-L-L. How do you say that? Well, you can't say it. Anything. Take any name you want to. On your computer, you have a C-T-R-L button. You know that means control because you know what the vowels are. But they didn't know the vowels and so God fixed it so men can't even really say his name. Because to say his name is to corrupt him. To corrupt him. So he visited us in the person of a man. We can say his name. We call him Jesus. It was the God of grace who shut him in. I want you to see that. If you're in your Bibles, I turn back to, in, the, in this chapter 6, I told you first chapter 6, let's turn to chapter 6, and let me show you something in chapter 6, just back a couple of chapters. 
verse 17, God said to Noah, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth. I will destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee I will establish my covenant. And thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shall you bring into the earth. And so on. You notice what he says. He said, I'm making a covenant with you. Now, there are two types of covenant. <laughs> That's what we call a bilateral covenant. A bilateral covenant is when I say I'll do certain things and you say you do certain things. There are conditions to be made. I meet my conditions, you meet your conditions, and we have a covenant. You go down to the bank and you borrow some money. They have about 50 sheets of paper for you to sign. <laughs> They want to know your blood type and everything else. And you sign those things agreeing to their terms that you'll pay back their money and blah, blah, blah. That's a bilateral covenant. You know what a bicycle is? It has two, two tires on it. Bilateral. But then there's a unilateral. U-N-I. You know what a unicycle is? That's those people that ride on that one wheel. Put me on there, I'll be dead. And we used to have a Franklin parade. There was a woman that rode a unicycle all the way in the parade. Well, a, uni, a unilateral covenant is a covenant where God says, I will and you shall. I will and you shall. There are no conditions for you to meet, really. He gave Noah the instructions. He told him the flood was coming. He told him how to build this boat. And by the way, this was not a boat that you would hook up with a pair of skis and ski behind. <laughs> it was a boat that was shaped almost exactly like your Bible. Almost exactly like your Bible. A little higher, but just wide. It was made so that it wouldn't capsize. It wouldn't turn over. It was wide and it was like a box, like a matchbox, like a Bible. So when all that water came, they're safe. So it is the Elohim, the creator and the preserver, verse 16, and it is Yahweh, or Jehovah, the God of the covenant, who made a covenant with Noah. I'm thinking now of, the, of this 16th verse in chapter that we read in chapter 7. But here you see God made a covenant with Noah. And it was the God of grace who preserved him. The Lord lifted up his hand to heaven in Hebrews chapter 6. You can read it when you want to, verses 13 through 19. And it says that when God could swear by no greater, he swore by himself when he made a covenant with Abraham. God's promise cannot and will not be disannulled. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. That is, he will not change his mind. Noah trusted the Lord, and so he went into the ark, and the Lord shut the door. Now, if you turn back to 
chapter 7. I want to show you something. Noah was shut in with the Lord. He was shut in with the Lord. Look at verse 7. It says, I should have had you read verse 1, but we'll go back. Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Go back and read verse 1, Genesis chapter 7. The Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. So where is the Lord when he says come into the ark? He's in the ark. I want you to come in here with me. The Lord does not promise you or me that we won't have any troubles and trials, but He does promise that He will be with us. And if we will look to Him, if we will stay in His Word and stay under His Word and stay in His Word, I promise you, because I've experienced it for over 60 years, He will bring you through it. He will bring you through it. So he said, come into the ark, meaning I'm in the ark. Come into the ark with me. So Noah was shut in the ark with the Lord and with his family. So I ask you, is your family with you in the ark? Noah was able, apparently, the Lord used him to persuade his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and they their three wives and his own wife. They were with him in the ark. Noah was shut in the ark with the Lord and with his family. And the same God who shut him in guided him to safety. We shall ride in Christ out of this old world through this whole world, through the storms and the waves and the floods of this world, we'll, we'll be all right if the Lord's with us in the ark. We'll be okay. All right, that, so, so Noah and his family were shut in. Here's the second point I said, multitudes were shut out. Who were the people who were shut out? Well, they were people that had witnessed the building of that ark for 120 years. Every time there was a, a nail, those people, the Bible tells us in the New Testament that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So he was a witness to them. Not only by his work, but by his mouth. But every time... They heard that, they should have said, judgment is coming, judgment is coming, judgment is coming, judgment is coming, and they heard that for 120 years. Let's see if you can find the gospel of Matthew. Mark something here in your, in your Bible. Let's go to the New Testament, and the first book in the New Testament is the gospel of Matthew. You can also find this Matthew chapter 24. You can also find this in Luke chapter 17, but we're just going to look at the Matthew. Matthew's gospel chapter 24. 
First book in the New Testament, chapter 24. Now this is, the, this is our Lord Jesus Christ talking here. This is the Lord Jesus Christ talking. Let's begin reading in verse 32. Learn a parable of the fig tree. When the branch is tender and he puts forth the leaves, when you see trees begin to bud leaves, you know that summer is near. Likewise, when you see all these things that I've been telling you about earlier in the chapter, you shall know that the end of time, the end of the world, is at near even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass to all these things be fulfilled. He's not talking about the generation of 40 years. He's talking about the generation of wickedness in this world. Watch this now. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Verse 36, but of that day and that hour no man knows, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Now watch it, verse 37, but as it was in the days of Noah. As it was in the days of Noah, Matthew 24, 37, so also shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and they knew nothing until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, the eating and the drinking and the marrying and the giving in marriage, there's two ways to interpret that. One is they were just carrying on like they always did, you know. But the implication is they were really partying. <laughs> That's the implication. The implication is they ain't worried about God. <laughs> and they ain't, if you, you know, my mother used to say, you can say ain't if you know better. <laughs> They were not worried at all about God. They weren't worried about Christ. They weren't worried about the gospel. They were probably members in a local church. They'd probably walk the aisle. They'd probably sign a card. They'd probably given the preacher their hand. They probably made a profession of faith. Oh, they were okay. But only eight people got in that ark. Eight people. And he said they knew nothing, which means they're not paying attention. They knew nothing until the flood came and took them all away. Whether they were partying or whether they were just carrying on with life, it doesn't matter. They were all taken away. They knew nothing. So who were they that were shut out? Well, there were people who had been witnessed to. Number two, they're probably people that have been prayed for. Ezekiel tells us in Ezekiel chapter 14 that Noah was a man of prayer. Many of you here today and many of you watching by the internet, perhaps you've been prayed for, but you haven't come to Christ. If so, and the judgment comes or death finds you, you'll be shut out. 
They had been associated with Noah and his work. You know good and well they all knew who Noah was. Some of them will probably become friends with Noah. I don't know. Maybe Noah hired some of them to help him. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was just Noah and his three sons. I don't know. But he might have he might have bought some lumber or something down here from the from the lumber yard. But they were shut out. They were shut out. Are you in Matthew 24? All right, go back to Matthew chapter 7. This is probably, this chapter, part of this chapter's most frightful part of the Scripture. This is where the Lord Jesus tells the little story about building your house. Some people build it on a rock. Some people build it on a sandy foundation. You look in Matthew chapter 7. He says, verse 21, Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. What is the will of his Father that is in heaven? I can quote all these scriptures to you. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, This is the will of him that sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life. This is the will of the Father. Now, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, enter the kingdom, to he that does the will of my Father. Many will say to me in that day, verse 22, Lord, didn't we prophesy? Didn't we preach? Didn't we have Sunday school classes? And we did it in your name. We didn't do it in the name of Buddha. We didn't do it in the name of Muhammad, or one of the Hindu gods. We did it in your name. And in your name we cast out devils. We even had people that we witnessed to, and they were converted. In your name we did many wonderful works. We built buildings, and we helped build part of the church building, and we did all this stuff. He said, then I will say to them, verse 23, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Whoever hears these sayings of mine, verse 24, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man that built his house on a rock. And the flood descended, the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and it beat upon that house, but it would not fall because it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does not do them shall be likened unto a foolish man that built his house on the sand. The rain came, the floods came, the winds blew, it beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? When a man loses his soul, or a woman, that's a great fall. It's irredeemable. There's no going back. It's like when God shut the door. These people who were shut out had been preached to, they had been prayed for, they had been associated with at some, in some way by Noah, with Noah, 
They saw great wonders. They saw the animals. You know Noah didn't go out and get all those animals. The Scripture says God made the animals. He put it into the minds of the animals, just like animals migrate. Who tells them to migrate? <laughs> Who tells those salmon to go way back upstream? That's a lot of hard work, swimming upstream like that. <laughs> the Lord puts that in them, and He put that in these animals to preserve animals of every kind, clean and unclean, they're called. They saw all these great wonders. Don't you know he's standing outside and see all these animals going into the ark? Is that not a witness? We see things in this world, we don't pay any attention to it. We see them so often, we, ah. Many of us have seen God do things that we might call miraculous. What sort of people were they? Well, they delighted in worldly things. We just looked at that in Matthew 24. They scoffed at Noah. They did not believe his message. When he told them that judgment was coming, some theologians don't believe that it had ever rained on the earth until that time. That doesn't really change anything for me. It may or may not, but may or may not have rained. The point is, for 120 years, they had a witness. And they, and they saw them building this boat, and they saw these animals coming in, and they saw all of those things, and they despised the long-suffering of God. I'm going to tell you where this is found. We won't turn to it right now, but 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20 Peter says, the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared for the flood. Long-suffering, that's patience. God is patient with us. He's patient with us. If he hadn't been patient with me, I would have been in hell a long time ago. And even now, he's patient with me. The Bible says in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4 that the long-suffering of God is meant to lead us to repentance. The word repentance it comes from a Greek term, metanoia. Uh, meta means to turn, Noye's face, about face, turn around. When you turn to Christ, you know, if I turn to my left, I have to turn away from my right. Right? If I turn back here, I'm turning away from you. If I turn from here to you, I'm turning away. Repentance is the turning, and faith is turning too. You turn to Christ, they're opposite sides of the same coin. If you have a coin, you don't have a heads and a tails, you got a counterfeit coin. If you got a, a salvation where you say, Well, I believed in Jesus, but I'm still going to live like hell. You got a false, you got a false salvation there. 
Oh, I know you're not going to be able to do what you want to do. You're not going to be able to do it like you want to do it. You're not going to be able to live above sin. You're going to have a fight. Here's where a lot of us peter out. We don't want to have that fight. We don't want to keep fighting. We get tired of the battle. We get tired of fighting against the world, fighting against the flesh, fighting against everything. The devil, we get tired of it. But if you're in the ark, if you're in the ark, you're saved. The long-suffering of God is meant to lead thee to repentance, Romans chapter 2, verse 4. And they mistook the long-suffering of God for slackness. That's 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. In other words, they thought because Noah kept saying, folks, listen, God has promised he's going to send a flood, and the Lord delayed it, and the Lord was long-suffering, and the Lord waited they took that for the, uh, the message that uh, he's not going to do anything. Just like people today in this world. They said, oh my goodness, we've been hearing from these preachers for hundreds of years. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And Jesus is not coming. That's what we're hearing today. They said, we've heard it for 120 years. Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his slackness, as some men count slackness, but his long suffering. To us would not willing that any of us would should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What became of them? Let's, I'm through. Let's look at Genesis 7. Genesis 7. What became of them? Verse 21. Genesis 7, verse 21. All flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl, cattle, and beast, and every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth, and every man, and all who, in whose nostrils was the breath of life, and all that was in the dry land died. And every substance was destroyed which was upon the face of the earth, both man and cattle, and the creeping thing, the fowl of heaven. They were destroyed from the earth, and, the Noah, and Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed upon the earth 150 days. Well, you know, it's 365 days in a year. So you can get an idea of how long. They were in that ark, I think about a year, a little over maybe, before the dry land, before the land was dry enough for them to get out. What became of everybody not in the ark? They died, and they died violently. Now today, listen to me, folks, and I'm through. I believe in the love of God. I do. I believe in the love of God. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. But we've now made God 99 and 44, 100% pure love. We borrowed from Ronnie Millsap. He had a song called 99 and 44, 100% pure love. <laughs> and we say, well, God is not going to judge anybody. He's all love. Well, let me tell you what kind of love he has. He loves holiness. He loves righteousness. He hates sin. He loves his son. Do you think he would let his son go through the mess that his son went through down here and endure all the, the 
the, the, the spitting and the cursing and, the, and, and, and beaten to death nearly before he died and then have nails put in his hands and his feet. Went through all of that. Do you think God's going to put his son through all of that and not punish this world? You got another thought coming. This world is under judgment. It's like a person that's in a cell. We don't execute folks anymore, but when I grew up, a man that was killed two or three people was executed. And Tom Hanks made a movie, and it was called what? It's called The Green Mile, and it opens up with a man walking down the hall. He's a policeman, and he's leading a man behind him, and he's, he's saying this, Dead man walking! Dead man walking, what does he mean? He means this man is dead, but the day of his execution hasn't arrived yet. He's been found guilty, and he's going to be executed in the electric chair. And that's the way it is with the world. There are people. The, the world is under wrath. But the great day of the wrath of God falling on the world in the way that the Lord Jesus pointed it out hasn't come yet. But it's coming. It's just like a man is in a jail cell and he's going to be executed uh, in October. He's going to be executed October the 1st. And it's September. He's dead. He's dead. He's as good as dead. He just hadn't been executed yet, but he's dead. You understand? So here's the good news. Let me close with the good news. They're all this bad news. You know you can't appreciate the good news till you hear the bad news. <laughs> you know what the good news is? The good news is the door is still open. <laughs> it's still open. I'm going to read it to you. I quoted it earlier from the Gospel of John, and it's chapter 10. Whole chapter 10 is about Jesus being the shepherd and his people being the sheep. This is what he said. He says about his sheep, they will not follow a stranger. That's verse 5. They will run from him. They don't know the voice of strangers. Then in verse 7, he says, Verily, verily, that's truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Verse 9, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. He shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Verse 17, therefore does the Father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man takes it from me. I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Do you know that the Bible says that when Jesus died on, on the cross, it said, he said, it is finished. Then he says, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. 
In other words, when he had finished everything he came to do, he willingly walked out of his body. He walked out of his body because everything was finished. My friends, the door of mercy is still open. The Lord shut the door there on Noah's generation. He started over again with Noah and his sons and wife, repopulated the earth. But he's about to shut the door again. Oh, it might not shut in my lifetime. I don't know. But I know it's going to be shut because he said it was. Are you going to be like those that wouldn't listen to Noah or are you going to come into the ark? I'm not going to, we don't hear at Grace Church, we don't try to squeeze professions of faith out of people. <laughs> I'm not going to get you to come down to the front and say a prayer with me and bow and all that. No, no, this is between you and the Lord. It's between you and the Lord. You call on the name of the Lord right where you are. Old Scott Richardson, old preacher from West Virginia, he used to say, I wish I could put 50 pounds of chains on you, chain you to the pew, and then say, come to Christ. It's not coming down here. You come in your heart, Lord, I'm coming to you. I'm calling on you. I need help. I need your salvation. That's between you and the Lord. May the Lord add his blessings to his word. All right, let's sing under the...